Hi, this is Noel Manning hanging out with Adam Long from Focus Newspaper. Check him out at focusnewspaper.com. Um, you can uh, check out uh, our Facebook page at uh, Cinema Scene. Uh, see what you find out there. Interact with us as well. Uh, the new year has begun, Adam, and we are underway. Uh, still talking about some movies really from last year. Uh, a few of those uh, did open last weekend. We'll also talk about one that opens in wide release this weekend. But uh, last week, if you did not get a chance to join us, we gave you our uh, top films of the year. And you can find that archived uh, just by going to uh, WGWG.org and then click on our SoundCloud link. And that'll take you right to our SoundCloud archive page where you can find that and other shows uh, that we have recorded as well. Hey, man, Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you. Man, a lot of stuff uh, happening. I uh, hope it is a good New Year for you and all of our listeners out there, yeah. all of us. Yeah, man, I, I'm hoping so as well, especially at the movies. Um, oh, you yeah. Know, you and I talked uh, last time about, you know, there were some good films back in, in 2015, and uh, it seemed like quite a few of them were released right toward the end, which nah, happens. It typically does happen around award season. Yep. But uh, it was a good year. I, I felt, I felt, you know, I felt it really did redeem itself there, uh, there at the end, especially. And uh, you know, I'm expecting the same kind of stuff in 2016. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff uh, coming down the pike. I mean, well, st- well, we don't know that it's good. But there's, there's some <laughs> stuff with potential. Let's say yes, it that way. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yeah, we've got some potential. You know, we got the, uh, we got the very questionable uh, Batman versus Superman coming up in uh, just a, about two months. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, it's going to start pretty soon, so uh, it's going to be uh, going to be interesting. And then if you're uh, looking for a parody on the Fifty Shades of uh, Grey, man, a couple weeks away, you got the Fifty Shades of Black. So uh, that, that, <laughs> we'll we'll be talking about that, I'm sure. And then the uh, long-awaited Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Uh, based on the best-selling uh, book that's coming out uh, in early February, Deadpool. Yeah. Um, you know the action comedy uh, super uh, villain film in Zoolander Two. Uh, all that's coming out really in the next month. And then uh, Dirty Grandpa and the Fifth Wave and the Boy. So we've got uh, we've got a few things coming up uh, that that we we may care something uh, about or nothing at all about. So we'll have to have to wait and see on that, man. Well, the only one that seems to be piquing my interest at this point is Hail Caesar, the new Coen Brothers. Film. Oh yes, so I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of got me. You know, I'm excited about that a little bit. But other than other than that, I it's 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 definitely January and February. We might as well get used to it. Yeah, yeah. This is the doldrums as far as. Uh, uh, the dumping ground has it arrived. It is. It's for, the it's the uh, yeah. Movies. It's the dead yeah. zone, uh, which we also see in the uh, in the early fall as well. So yeah. uh, it's that very same kind of time period. Uh, well, man, yeah, la- right. last uh, last week at the box office, uh, no big surprise for me and you. Uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens continues to hold on to that strong, uh, number one spot uh, very strongly. Uh, let me say as well, um, you know, the worldwide gross for this thing is uh, over $1.5 billion. Uh, we knew it was going to make it there. We, uh, we just didn't know when. Um, I, I think a lot of people, uh, it did surprise a lot of people that, that maybe it, uh, or based on the tweets that we're seeing out there, that it happened so fast. But, uh, you know, we saw how much the buzz was early on, and uh, I, I'm not saying I'm surprised it happened this fast. Yeah, I'm definitely not surprised. I mean, uh, one one of my friends uh, who's pretty movie savvy, he he had asked me a week or two before it was over with. He said, "So yeah, I'm saying it's going to do." Um, he said, I'll, "I say it's going to do 300 million uh, domestically." And I said, "Are you out of this? Are you crazy?" 
I said, it'll do at least <laughs> wow. at least five or six hundred million yeah. domestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, it, it's going to do at least a billion uh, worldwide yep. and probably more than that. Yeah. And of course, I was right. He, he finally had to concede. He yeah. Oh, yeah. Said, well, you were right, dude. So. Yeah. As of last weekend, the uh, the total domestic gross seven hundred and forty two uh, million uh, after just three weeks uh, out. Pretty uh, pretty amazing. I mean, it really is amazing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'd love to see the breakdown on uh, how many viewers have seen this out of every, you know, screen. I mean, out of, out of every person that has seen a film during that period of time, how many have probably seen it? I'd love to see that. And I know it's out there somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I've seen it uh, three times, and I just I, I'll be honest with you, I don't go back to movies. Uh, I don't go back to movie theaters three times typically to see films anymore. Um, unless I'm uh, twice, I might go to, to take somebody, but uh, you know, I'd go again. Um, uh, seen it on uh, a couple of just standard screens. Then I went and saw it in IMAX, um, uh, a friend of a uh, friend of mine and a, a colleague of ours, a uh, film critic, uh, Sean O'Connell actually saw it on 70 millimeter. And, uh, I'm still trying to find out where he saw it. Cause I would love to see it on that. And he just talked about the richness of it. And he said, uh, as, as, as much as he loved it. Seeing it the other ways, it just took it to a whole other level. And uh, and you had that same experience with the Hateful Eight, which was last weekend's uh, number uh, number three film. Yes, I did. Yes, it was. Uh, I finally got to catch it. Got to see it in seventy millimeter. What what separates this film from Star Wars is it was actually shot on seventy millimeter, which Star Wars is is a thirty five blown up to a seventy five uh, seventy millimeter print. Right, which still looks great, uh, but uh, the Hateful Eight. What separates it is it, it is the first film to be shot uh, in seventy millimeter ultra Panavision since nineteen sixty six's Cartoon. Wow, was the last time wow. we, we saw a film. Wow. Uh, so in our you, your lifetime and mine, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the first uh, chance we've had to see a real uh, actual seventy millimeter yeah. film. Well, you know, there, uh, there you know, is. It was. And it's it's great to look at. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful looking film. It really is. It's uh, it's shot by Robert Richardson, who uh, was uh, Oliver Stone's cameraman from eighty six to ninety five. He shot or eighty five to ninety five. He during that ten year period, he shot every movie that uh, Oliver Stone made. Which and there's some good ones in there, like JFK and um, uh, Platoon and and uh, Nixon and uh, Natural Born Killers. So he shot all of those, and they eventually parted company. But now he He's uh, he's uh, Tarantino's cameraman ever since uh, Kill Bill, and he did a really terrific job with this uh, this this film. Uh, looks great, and like I said, it's a it is it's a it's you know it's your typical Tarantino. There's a lot of uh, a lot of violence there, a lot of um, uh, adult language, shall we say? Yeah, um, yep, absolutely. There's a soliloquy in there with um, Samuel Jackson that will rival anything that uh, you can remember from any of Tarantino's other films. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you see where he's going, you kind of are taken aback and wonder if he's really going to go there. Yeah, he goes there. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) so, uh, you know, it's it's, it's good stuff. I I think it was just not quite, for me, not quite as uh, invigorating as Django Unchained. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I, I, I like that just slightly better. It just seemed to be... The crackle and pop a little bit more for me, but but having said that, the Hateful Eight is, is an experience. If you can get to a seventy millimeter theater, go see it. I, I I'm going to give it a B plus for sure, and uh, it's certainly uh, 
one of the most inventive films of the year, and uh, it's, it's like I said, uh, great dialogue and uh, and great cinematography, and so, so yeah, there you Tar- go. I'm- yeah, yeah Tarantino's just an amazing writer, and he always has been, and that's the one thing that, you know, no matter what else you can say about his films, when you look at the screenplays and just the uh, the way he's able to... to take characters and bring them to life on the pages is pretty impressive. And then when he can do it on the screen as a director as well, it, it takes it that step further. And yeah. uh, he's always been uh, amazing with getting this uh, you know, great ensemble cast. And people just want to work with this guy. Uh, they just have fun working with this guy. And, you know, you'll see the same names pop up time and time again. But also you'll see some new names pop up uh, in, in his films. Uh, like, I don't know that he's ever worked with uh, Channing Tatum um, before. Nope. Uh, you know, that's a new one. Um, I don't know that he's worked with Bruce Dern before, um, but, you know. Nope, don't believe so. But, you know, you see some of these names, but, of course, Samuel L. Jackson, you see that one that pops up. And, and you also see some uh, familiar faces. Um, you may not know the names, but you'll definitely see some familiar faces that pop up. Uh, Tarantino yeah. is just fun. And, uh, you know, it, you, you don't go into this film uh, or any of his films without knowing a little bit about him. And, uh, you know, you understand the violence, the language. That's all part of it, and uh, you know, to the extreme. Uh, so, but that's what you get, and and you know that. So, if anybody who goes into a Tarantino film and walks like going, I can't believe the language, I can't believe the violence. Okay, you didn't do your homework, and, and you know, there's nobody to uh, to blame except yourself. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I don't think it it quite um, captured what Django Unchained did. But uh, but nonetheless, it was it was a feast for the eyes, uh, and uh, and it was just it was Tarantino. And, uh, you know, for something with a $44 million budget, this will make, uh, make its money back with, without any problem. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to see, uh, see a Western on, uh, on the big screen again. Yeah. Yes, it was. And, and uh, you know, anytime we get a new Tarantino film, it's always something to get excited about. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, but there's, a, there's an ongoing argument, you know, with a lot of uh, some of our colleagues are, have been arguing about um, – you know, there's a big deal about the cinematography and Hateful Eight, and a lot of people are saying that the digital photography in The Revenant is equal to or maybe even better than what they've accomplished with Hateful Eight. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, well, it's a, you know, I will have to say that the uh, that's the one thing with The Revenant that I absolutely was blown away by was the cinematography. It was that and the acting, um, you know. So, uh, so rivaling, I, yeah, I think it comes pretty close. Um, uh, it was it was quite impressive, uh, impressive to see. Um, so, yeah, I think those are both comparable, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, I, I mean, both of them are incredibly well shot. You yeah. Know? Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the Revenant. That does open this weekend uh, in expanded theaters. It's already been open in limited release, and this uh, weekend they're adding uh, three thousand plus. Um, so they're they're looking to get uh, get a big uh, big buzz off of the uh, the heavy marketing that they're doing with this film. Um, you know, it's it's a film that's uh, that's got a uh, a talent that we've seen for for a number of years, and he's never quite uh, made that. Uh, he's made the Oscar run numerous times, but never crossed that finish line. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is who we're talking about is a lead in this uh, revenge picture. Uh, with also uh, Tom Hardy uh, having a really, really strong role as well. And uh, the visuals we talked about, quite, quite impressive um, with the, the cinematography uh, and the acting. Those are two things that stood out to me uh, extremely, extremely well. And I'll talk about some of, my, uh, uh, some of my issues with it, but let's get your thoughts on what you liked. Yeah, uh, I, 
you know, I, I think it's a good movie. Uh, is it a great movie? I uh, don't know that it's great. Um, you know, it's it's it is uh, it's a tough movie. We'll say that um, it's not for everybody. Just like uh, the Tarantino film, uh, it's it's it is it is very good. Uh, but like I said, not not what I would consider to be great. It, essentially, it is uh, it is a B movie that has been, in my opinion, just redressed with uh, retrofitted. Maybe is a better way to put it uh, with uh, all kinds of fancy cinematography and. Uh, you know, great visuals, but essentially when you get down to it, it's just a revenge movie. Yep, yep, uh, absolutely. A simple, simple revenge film, uh, the kind, the same kind that we've been seeing since, you know, the, the 30s, 40s, 50s, yeah. and onwards. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's that, uh, the same template, but it's just been uh, uh, gussied up, let's yep. put it that way. So, um, yeah, my- it's great uh, in in so in so far as it, its look and everything, but uh, but when you get down to the core of the story, you have to stop and think about it, and, and you know it does make give you pause for thought. You know, well, really, am I watching anything revolutionary from a storytelling standpoint? And eh, the answer is not really. Uh, DiCaprio is good. Um, I think that uh, his co-star Tom Hardy, who's the villain of the piece, actually steals the show from him. If you ask me. Uh, he, there's a lot of talk about DiCaprio, you know, maybe getting an Oscar, and and the, and it was such a tough shoot, and then physically demanding, and this, that, and the other, which I'm sure that it was. I mean, you can it pretty much comes across on screen, you know, that it was a it was a very hard shoot for these actors. But um, uh, as far as his performance, uh, you know, t- and DiCaprio has this odd thing that I've noticed, and it's become more pronounced in the last couple of movies. He's, it's like when his voice gets to a certain when he, when he raises his voice to a certain level, it cracks like he's going through puberty or something. And uh, I don't know. There's something distracting about that when he he can't. I, I, I can't explain it. There's a lot of that going on in Django, and <laughs> and, and there's a lot of it going on in this movie. Yeah. And a couple of you know in the rare instances that he does get to use his voice. Right. Most yeah. a lot of the movie he doesn't get to say anything because <laughs> yeah. he's left for dead. Yeah. Uh, but you know that, that's that's a very odd tick that he has. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 weird for me. But I mean, you know, he he does a good job. I mean, you know, insofar as what the role calls for. But but I don't know. I just I think that Tom Hardy pulled the rug out from under him with his uh, villainous turn in the movie. And um, you know, of course, we don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But it's essentially yeah. about a bunch of fur trappers in the eighteen hundreds and. Uh, uh, DiCaprio's mauled by a bear, as we've heard about on uh, a lot of the TV news outlets, incorrectly reported that he was raped by a bear. No, he isn't raped by a bear. He's mauled by a bear, not once but twice, and uh, left. And basically, at that point, he becomes dead weight. The rest of his fur trapping cohorts, uh, they can't, re- they don't want to really carry him around because he's, you know, going to slow him down. And they're being, um, they're being uh, uh, besieged by Indians, uh, Native Americans, who are not so happy about what they're doing with the land there. So they, they so they decide to, you know, they want to leave DiCaprio behind, and uh, Tom Hardy's kind of leading the charge on that idea. And, and so that's where the revenge plot, uh, you know, kind of kicks in. And yep. Anyway, won't say too much about it, but, but uh, uh, like I said, a, a spectacular movie to look at. But from a storytelling standpoint, nothing revolutionary there. But I'm going to give it a B plus, okay. uh, just like Hateful Eight. Uh, okay. Certainly worth seeing, and yeah. probably on the bigger, bigger the screen, the better. Yeah, I agree. I'm giving it. I'm actually giving it a a, a B. Um, I thought the story was way too long. Uh, running yeah. time two yeah. hours, thirty one minutes long. 
and um, there was a lot of times I really felt like it was just kind of dragging um, more than anything yeah. else just to show you the scenery. And uh, the music I found very distracting. Um, yeah, yeah. There was just some uh, something very odd about the soundtrack. And it actually, you know, talk about uh, DiCaprio's voice annoying you. The, the music was annoying me. And yeah. um, I, I do think that both the acting for, for Hardy and DiCaprio, I thought that was, that was stellar. Uh, the look of it, as we talked about, stellar as well. But, uh, but the rest of it, uh, you know, it, it just kind of left me going, well, you know, good movie, but not a great movie. So uh, I'm giving it a B. Um, uh, you know, shorten this to about, an, you know, uh, two hours, maybe even an hour and a half. You, you'd probably have a much better film. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you, you didn't have it. And there were a lot of times you just didn't have a ton of that dialogue. You didn't need it um, because some, you know, the things were kind of unfolding. But I, I did think that there were times that they just kind of threw a scene in because they could. Uh, and, you know, when you've got the, the same writer and director coming together, sometimes it's hard for them uh, to let go. Um, you know, Tarantino's been able to do it and be able to make it work, work out well. But, uh, but this guy, you know, he also uh, brought us Birdman uh, last year and uh, has done, done a few other things as well, uh, 21 Grams and, uh, and some other stuff. But I, I, something was just, uh, was just not on all cylinders for me uh, in, the, in the, uh, the Revenant. But visually, it's, it's worth checking out on the big screen just for that, if nothing else. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good deal. No doubt. No all right. Doubt. Yeah, so... So there you have it. All right, that's The Revenant. Uh, also, a couple other films that we want to talk about. Uh, let's talk about uh, last weekend's number two film, Daddy's Home, a uh, comedy. Oh, yeah. uh, once again, teaming up uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Will Ferrell, who have been on the screen before, uh, in another comedy. Um, this time, uh, you've you got, uh, you got Wahlberg is, uh, of course, something he always likes to play as the kind of stud muffin guy. And you got Will Ferrell as, uh, as kind of a goofy uh, you know, let me let me do everything by the book kind of guy. Uh, yeah. You got a Will Ferrell plays the uh, the stepdad. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is the uh, the biological parent of, of these uh, these kids, and you kind of see the relationship of these two coming together. And it's uh, it is it does become dad versus stepdad, as it says on the poster. And they're both trying to outdo one another. And uh, you know they're. Uh, you you like this a whole lot better than I did. Um, you do have an uh, interesting cast. You've got Thomas Hayden Church, who I always like, as I mentioned, Wahlberg and Farrell. Um, but I, I, there were about five laughs for me. I, I really felt like this had all been done before. I didn't see a whole lot new. And um, that's one of the things that really kind of bothered me. I felt like it was a, a rubber stamp comedy. And, um, I, you know, I, I gave it a, like a C minus because it, I just didn't feel like there was anything new there. There were, there were five good laughs. I counted them five, la- five times in the movie that I laughed. Um, yeah. But, but o- overall, I just kind of felt like, okay, yep, seen that before. Yeah, I've seen that better before. And that's the thing. I'm fine if people want to show me the same kind of stuff, but can you do it better or different? And that's always what I'm looking for when I'm going to a movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And, um, yeah, I mean, I did enjoy it more than you did. I, now, let's not get carried away, and I'm not going to tell you that it's a great film uh, because it is not. But I laughed a lot more than I expected to. I, I went into it kind of uh, expecting. My son wanted to see it, and we had the screening on it. So I, was, um, I said, why not? We'll, you know, we'll, we'll check it out, and we'll investigate. And uh, I found myself laughing quite a bit. Uh, which was, uh, which is really the best you can hope for in a Will Ferrell vehicle yeah, these yeah. days. Um, and so, 
you know, I, I, as far as the, the joke ratio of how many jokes I laughed at, uh, probably 65, 70% of them I laughed at. So, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a lot uh, better than what I had anticipated. Like I said, it's, is, it, is it a great film? No. Uh, but, um, you know, I've, I've definitely seen worse. Uh, Anchorman 2 would be among them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. You got that right, man. You got yeah, that right. So, so uh, what, what rating are you giving this? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a B minus. Okay. Uh, like I said, uh, you, you you could you could certainly do worse, and uh, I, I'm uh, you know it seems to be holding its own at the box office. So uh, you know, so people are turning out to see it. Um, now we haven't talked about Joy yet. I don't think. Uh, I want to get your okay? Take go for on it. That. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, David O. Russell uh, coming back to the screen again, uh, directing and writing a, a piece for uh, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. He uh, really loves working with these folks. Also, you've got Robert De Niro, uh, Virginia Madsen, uh, and Isabella Rossellini uh, in yeah. this uh, in this film with music composed by Danny Elfman. Um, to me, you know, the, the film had some great, 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 great buzz going in. That this was uh, this may be the one to beat this year, and there's still a lot of people that absolutely love this film. Uh, you know, I went in, and, and I'll be honest with you, um, uh, I, I couldn't, after I left, I mean, the biggest thing I came out with was I wasn't sure if I was watching a comedy or a, a or a drama or exactly what. I really felt that there was a lot of things that were disjointed in this film. It starts out, you know, first 20, 30 minutes, you feel like you're watching kind of this, this dark kind of comedy, and yeah. it kind of worked, and then it launched into something completely different, and, and I'm like, okay, is this, did we have multiple directors? You know, what, what, what's going on here? And it was that kind of disjointedness that bothered me throughout this film. And it's uh, based on a, it's, and I say based on a true story because it is loosely based uh, on a true story of, of uh, this woman who discovered kind of the, and, and created, invented, you, you'd probably a better way to say, the miracle mop and uh, ended up making, uh, making millions. But uh, the movie follows her struggles and follows how uh, so many times, every time she, thought she had a good idea. There were people always trying to shut her down, uh, even her family, the people closest to her, especially the yeah. people closest to her. And, uh, and that was kind of a, a sad thing, but she had this incredible loyalty to family that, that I did find interesting. But um, I just felt it was just so, uh, the movie itself was just uh, confusing because I felt like they were uh, they were confused on what they wanted to present on screen. So... Uh, I, I was uh, hoping for more, and uh, and came out with with a movie that thought, well, this is, you know, really just kind of an average film for me. Um, Jennifer Lawrence was wonderful. Um, you know, De Niro, I, I, he had his moments, but um, I, I was really kind of hoping for for some more from him as well. But uh, but I, I do like Jennifer Lawrence, and I think she she did quite well on this. But uh, this really got nothing better than a C for me. But my, we'll say this: my mother-in-law saw it, and she said the worst film she's seen in years. And I wow. said, well, I'm not going that far, uh, but it's definitely not one that I'm going to highly recommend. Yeah, I I actually liked it better than his last film, American Hustle. I was not a big, uh, tremendous fan of that movie. Uh, I felt like it was um, uh, really overlong and had this improvisational style where you, you could almost see that they were kind of making it up as they went along, that he would give, obviously had given them some sort of a rough idea of what the scene would play out to be and just let them, and, I, and that's just not my style of filmmaking. I don't really, it, I don't like improvisational exercises, and, um, and that's just my personal taste. I felt like this movie was a lot tighter. Uh, is, is it, 
you know, it has it has some problems. You're right, um, but it was a lot tighter. I, I felt like it didn't have that uh, loose improvisational feel that that plagued uh, American Hustle for me. Uh, it's not as good as Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, I'll I'll give you that. Um, but it had its moments. Uh, I can understand why mainstream audiences wouldn't take to it because they've got all these quirky characters in there, you know, and it's kind of uh, it's, it's it's her big strange family that she's living with, and uh, this, that, and the other, you know, that uh, and and they and they are strange, uh, a strange bunch, that's for sure. I mean, she's got the uh, ex-husband living in the basement, and uh, the the dad, the perpetually uh, financially strapped dad's living in uh, with the ex-husband in the basement, and uh, and the mom watches soap operas all the time. But I'll tell you something I really did enjoy, though, and I and I'll get your take on this is uh, I like the fact that the mom played by Virginia Madsen is always watching these soap operas, and they they will cut to a clip of these soap operas. And they're not actually archive clips. These are actually new uh, soap opera segments that David O. Russell has shot exclusively for this film. Right, And right. they use a lot of these actors, actresses that we grew up seeing yes. uh, yep. in, in these roles. And yeah. it's kind of neat. I thought Donna yeah. Mills is there. Yeah. Uh, and you have um, all the, uh, the, 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 I can't think of her name, the one that's perpetually losing, uh, Susan Lucci. There you <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, and, Susan Lucci. Uh, yeah, so she was there and yeah. prominent, and yeah. I thought that was nice. That was yeah. an interesting touch, you know, yeah. to have her watching these soap operas that have been recreated with these uh, actresses that we know from yeah. our youth. Yeah, it was know, it was so, definitely uh, it was it, definitely creative, and yeah, it was. Um, it was. I, I love the characters. Um, I think I would have loved this movie actually if they had um, kind of stayed with the the comic feel of it that that was going on at the beginning yeah. because those first thirty minutes or so. I was laughing a lot and just really cracking up at, at uh, the characters and the interactions, and then it did become something different. And um, right, it, yeah. it it was I, I was, you know, sometimes that's fine, but I just felt that it would lack balance and uh, it, it kind of lacked the cohesiveness because of that. Yeah. And uh, there were times I'd feel like it would kind of jo- it would jump back into it, but it would only do it for just a short amount of time, and it just mm-hmm. kind of. It it felt uh, it, it felt like uh, you're watching. It felt like you're watching two different things. You know, like the split screen on your TV where you can watch another channel and then watch. Uh, you know, uh, I felt like I was trying to watch two channels at one time, and right, yeah. uh, and it just really wasn't working for me. Um, yeah, but no, but I, I did I, love I, the characters. I did love the characters. Yeah, I did too. And I'm going to give it a B minus. I okay. You know, I think it. Uh, I think you do. You could do. You could certainly do worse. Yep. Uh, and like I said, it's. Um, it's it's again, you know, it's 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 an acquired taste. Yep. Uh, yep. But yep. we'll enjoy this. But uh, if you're that uh, acquired, if it's your ta- to your taste, then you might uh, you might just find yourself enjoying it. Yeah, and uh, and I'm, I'll recommend uh, another film that uh, was released on Christmas Day, Concussion, with uh, with Will Smith, um, Alec Baldwin also in this with uh, Luke Wilson, uh, produced by Ridley Scott. Uh, great music from uh, James Newton Howard. Uh, you know, it's a, based on a true story of the, the whole concussion scandals that have been going on uh, for several years now with uh, with the NFL. And it's a perfect time, actually, if you're an NFL fan, uh, as we're approaching playoff season, go check out this film. Uh, Will Smith is, is wonderful in this. And uh, it's, a, it's a really powerful story, and it, uh, it, it tells a, a, a very interesting message um, that took uh, way too long for people to find out 
the dangers uh, that are associated with, uh, with, with the sport, uh, and, and so much so that people tried to shut down uh, even death threats to, uh, to a doctor who was trying to bring this to the forefront. Right. So uh, I'd recommend it. Uh, concussion, a, a solid B. Uh, for me, Will Smith, uh, as I said, does a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful job on this. We've got a couple minutes. Uh, any others you want to uh, talk about uh, that are in theaters now? Uh, well, I think uh, I think we pretty much covered all the theatrical stuff there I, I, that I'm aware of. Um, that's like I said, I agree with you with the concussion there. Uh, that's uh, you know. Uh, well, we could talk about Carol. Uh, yeah. That's okay. One we have yeah. Go for discussed. it. Go for it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will that because I, I had not seen that last time we did uh, our show. So uh, Carol, of course, directed by Todd Haynes, who uh, has uh, directed and wrote the uh, critical darling uh, Far From Heaven back in the early 2000s. I think that's one of the uh, best films of the early of the whole decade of the 2000s. It was a loving tribute to Douglas Sirk, the director of the big glossy uh, melodrama uh, that were you know were famous in the fifties like Magnificent Obsession and uh, uh, those kind of things and so um, he um, um, you know was uh, Imitation of Life was another one that's another one that uh, was a Douglas Sirk so uh, that that was just a, a great uh, tribute to Douglas Sirk and he's kind of done the same thing with this although uh, it, it's not quite as as much of an overt. Uh, homage to uh, Douglas Sirk. There's uh, certainly some... Uh, it also takes place in the 50s. This one does. Uh, Far From Heaven tackled the taboo subject because she fell in love with her... Uh, Julianne Moore falls in love with her Afri- African-American gardener, uh, and her husband is battling homosexuality, homosexual tendencies. Uh, he's trying to get cured, as they often did in the 50s. <laughs> he's played by Dennis Quaid. And so in this film... Uh, it's uh, Rooney Mara and uh, Kate Blanchett, and they're attracted to each other. And it's another, of course, taboo subject uh, that you wouldn't see explored in a 1950s mainstream film. But it's uh, beautifully photographed by Ed Lockman, oh, yeah. the guy who uh, photographed uh, Far From Heaven. Does a superb job of capturing the uh, the essence of that time. Uh, and um, and the, the score by Carter Burwell is superb. I, I'm going to go ahead and cop to it and tell you that it's the first soundtrack that I've actually uh, gotten, uh, purchased uh, since uh, probably in the last three years. I think the last one I, I purchased was Hateful Eight. As far as new scores, scores from new films, and that's hardly a score, the Hateful Eight, by the way. I mean, not to Hateful Eight, uh, Django Unchained. Right, um, right was the last one, and, of course, that's a lot of source music. So this is the la- first original score I've actually bought in a long time because it, it had that kind of an effect on me. It was terrific. Uh, I think it's a little bit, uh, has a little bit of an iciness uh, around the emotional edges of the film that keep it from being quite the home, emotional home run that Far From Heaven was. But it's close. It's close. It's, it's good. Just a notch uh, less satisfying than Far From Heaven, but uh, it, there's some... There's really some good stuff going on there. Great performances by the leads, and um, and uh, like I said, just captures the feel of that time uh, perfectly. So I'm gonna give it a, an A minus. Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm actually right there with you on everything you said. A minus. Um, this film was shot on uh, on Super 16. Yeah, well, which is very rare. Um, you know, and the reason it was done that way was to kind of give it that photographic look from 50 or 60 yeah. years ago. And so it was done pur- purposeful, and and he wanted to do it without it without making it a digital look alike. He wanted yeah. to actually go back and shoot like that, and that is just to me that is um, it's it's creative and it's brave 
for, for someone to do that and for uh, a director to say, okay, yeah, let's do this. And so uh, that, that you got to give kudos to Todd Haynes for that, yeah, uh, for do. allowing that to happen. So visually it's going to be uh, unlike anything else you've seen uh, shot in quite a while. So uh, I highly recommend it. Um, it is a, uh, a subject matter that's not for everybody, so just be aware of that as you're going yeah, in. Yeah. But I'm right there with you. I think you said A minus. Uh, yep. I'm right there with you on an A minus. And uh, man, that good. that uh, big big show here covered a lot of stuff, a lot of movies in the top ten that we covered. And uh, next week we'll come back uh, for another edition of Cinema Scene. You can always find us at wgwg.org, and you can listen to uh, archive shows as well. There we uh, do have this live every. Friday night at 6 p.m. on WGWG.org. But as always, as I said, you can find us anytime on the archive shows. Um, Adam is at FocusNewspaper.com. I'm Focus at WNewspaper.com. That's me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can always find us on uh, Cinema Scene on Facebook. And uh, hey, man, just uh, just tag in and, uh, and hang out and spend some time with us. We'd love it. As always, right. have a great one. Until next time, that's a wrap.